Take your Bible and turn to John chapter 16, please. John chapter 16. And we continue this morning through our study through the Gospel of John. I want to direct your attention to just two verses at the, the end of chapter 16, verses 32 and 33. John chapter 16 and verse 32. Behold, the hour cometh, yea, and now is now come, that ye shall be scattered, every man to his own, and shall leave me alone. And yet I am not alone, because the Father is with me. These things I have spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. I'm going to talk to you this morning about confidence within the chaos. Let's pray and then we'll begin. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd use your word to encourage and challenge us this morning. Lord, as you already have and Lord, as you develop the thought for your people today, uh, may these truths penetrate our hearts. Lord, may we cling to them and grab onto them, hold them close. Father, for they are life-giving and Lord, they are faith-building truths in the lives of God's people. And I pray, Lord, that you'd use your word to accomplish your will. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Verse 33 is a powerful verse. Verse 33 culminates a section of Scripture that we've actually been in for some time. This section of Scripture started in chapter 13, and it's been a wonderful passage uh, uh, that we've been walking through over these last several months. But beginning in chapter 13 and going all the way through chapter 16, we find what we have found is this very intimate account of the last hours uh, of Jesus' life or the last hours that He has spent with His disciples just prior to His arrest, His mock trial, and ultimately His crucifixion and death. And as we've worked our way through these verses, Jesus has taught his disciples so many things, things that they wouldn't fully understand yet. He's taught them about what it means uh, to, to love one another and to serve one another, and how when he is gone, their job is to, be, is to take up where he left off and to serve others. He, he's taught them about their relationship with the world, <clears throat> and he's taught them about how in order, to, in order to survive, you've got to abide in the vine. And you've got to have this relationship with me. And he's taught them about the ministry of the Holy Spirit that would come and, and how they're, they're really going to be in an intimate relationship with God the Father themselves. And just so many things that Jesus has taught them in these three chapters. In the middle of all of that, Jesus told them that one of them is going to betray Him. And Jesus told them that one of you is going to deny me. In fact, all of you are going to deny me at some point. And all of these truths have brought a sense of even heaviness to the disciples because Jesus said, thoughts trouble your hearts. And so there are a lot of things that Jesus taught them that they wouldn't fully understand 
yet, but you can kind of get a sense of heaviness that, that in the middle of it all. And of course, Jesus himself is dealing with the coming crucifixion. And he's dealing with the being, becoming sin for every man, the burden of sin that he would bear. And yet, in the middle of that, his focus is on the preparation of his disciples so in that day, they wouldn't faint in the day of adversity. And it demonstrates for us the care and the concern and the love of God for his people. Even so... The disciples are still experiencing troubled hearts, and they're trying to make sense of all that they've heard, even pondering what it all means. And in the middle of all of that, here we go in this verse, Jesus offers some words of comfort, some words of reassurance. He says, be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. Now, let me just make a quick application or comment before we get into breaking these verses down. This time, this moment, happened thousands of years ago. And yet it remains very relevant for our day. In our current situation that we're in as Americans in the United States of America, as Christians who worship God freely and openly at this moment, our situation may not be as intense as this particular moment was for the disciples And yet the truth still remains that we have all dealt with heaviness in life. We've all dealt with adversity. We face situations that sometimes are beyond our control. We've contemplated the path that we ought to take. And what does that mean? And how will it turn out? And how are we going to survive? We've thought about those kinds of things. And the truth of the matter is the Lord never promised that we wouldn't face moments of difficulty in our Christian life. In fact, on our Christian journey, Jesus did promise that in, 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 in the world you're going to have tribulation. You name the name of Christ, you worship, you honor the Lord, and the world's going to hate you because it hated me. So He never promised that we wouldn't face moments like these in our Christian journey, but He did promise that He would always be there, that He would never leave us nor forsake us. And He offers confidence to us in the middle of great uncertainty in life. And so I want to take a closer look at this moment here, examine the affirmations that Jesus gives His disciples, the encouragement that it was meant to be to them, and make application for us today as we talk about confidence within the chaos First thing I want you to notice here is the Lord's final warning in verse 32. The Lord's final warning. He said, Behold, the hour cometh, yea, and is now come, that ye shall be scattered, every man to his own, and shall leave me alone, and yet I am not alone, because the Father is with me. The Lord's final warning here, knowing what was about to transpire very, very soon, like moments probably, Jesus takes this opportunity for a final moment of preparation with the disciples. And He did that because Jesus was aware, first of all, that this was a time of difficulty for them. A time of difficulty for them. His arrest 
at the hands of Roman soldiers is, is a short time away. Chapter 17 records for us the prayer that Jesus uh, makes toward God and He prays for His disciples. And you get into chapter 18 and they're going into the Garden of Gethsemane. And it's going to be very soon and Jesus is going to be arrested. Jesus knew that when that time came, His disciples would flee in fear. They would be scattered into the darkness. And Jesus says, The hour cometh, yea, is now come, that ye shall be scattered, every man to his own. They're going to be scattered into the darkness in fear for their own lives. And fear would grip their heart. There would soon, their, their whole life would soon be turned upside down, at least the life that they had imagined. And we're talking about three and a half years of walking with the Lord and being by His side and hearing Him teach and watching His miracles and believing that He is the Messiah, faithfully serving with the Lord, following the Lord. They would see Him arrested. They would see Him accused. They would see Him stand trial in a kangaroo court. And eventually they're going to see Him crucified on a cross. Their future at this moment was very uncertain, at least in their mind. They would face the greatest difficulties of their lives very soon. And Jesus said, the time is coming and the time is here that you're going to be scattered. It was a time that was very difficult and going to get worse for them. And let me make this application, friend, because you and I know that trials and difficulties come in life. They come to all of us. They appear in varied forms. They come in different levels of intensity. But the truth is we're all familiar with difficulty. It's unavoidable. It's unpreventable. Facing and enduring difficulty is simply a part of life in a sin-cursed world. That's the truth. Here's the thing, though. Whenever we face difficult situations, there's a, maybe not everybody does this, but many times people do. Difficulty often leads to isolation. And what I mean by that is, often when we face adversity, the tendency is to want to withdraw. The tendency is to want to go into seclusion or hiding and separate ourselves actually from the ones that we need the most. And it begins to dominate life, and it can control our life. And if we're not careful, even our fellowship with the Lord even begins to suffer because we want to withdraw. Extreme adversity has the ability to scatter even the most faithful of believers. And you know what? We, we can't predict the future. We don't know what may happen but what I'm saying is, no matter what, we don't really understand or know what difficulty may be coming our way. Such difficulty may soon be a reality for you and I. We live in a world that is filled with God-haters. We live in a world of, of, of full of people who do not embrace the gospel of Jesus Christ. Persecution is on the rise in other parts of the world. Is it likely that we may face it as well? We could be in for some difficult times. And Jesus says 
to his disciples, has already said to his disciples, your only hope is to abide in me. Abiding in the vine. And the same truth applies to you and I. Our only hope is to abide in Christ and abide in His Word. Have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Whether it's extreme difficulty of persecution or whether it's just things in life that we go through, the answer when difficult times comes is to abide in Christ. Jesus knew it was a time of difficulty. It was going to get worse. And so He's offering some hope some confidence to them. Not only that, it would be a time of doubt. Notice verse 32 again. He says, Behold, the hour cometh, yea, and is now come, that ye shall be scattered every man to his own, and shall leave me alone. A time of doubt. He says, You're going to be scattered every man to his own, and you're going to leave me alone. And so as Jesus continues to talk to His disciples, and prepare them for what lay ahead. He knew that they were going to experience a season of doubt. The disciples would scatter into the night. They would leave Jesus to face His accusers alone, to face a mock trial, and be abused all alone. They would desert the Lord. And when they did, that desertion would lead them to start questioning everything. And we read in the Gospels how that was true. They would start to question whether or not, is this really the Christ? Is He really the Messiah? What what was all of this about? We thought that He was going to be the deliverer of Israel. We thought that He was going to be the conqueror to to deliver us from Roman oppression. He was going to set up the kingdom. What was all of this about? And they would start to doubt. And when they started to doubt, Satan would come along and start to keep planting more and more seeds of doubt into their heart and their mind, causing them to question if Jesus was in fact the Christ. They would eventually be tempted to abandon their faith altogether. I remember when Peter said, because he was discouraged, I go fishing. He wanted to go back to the old way of life. What was this all about? He was defeated and discouraged. He's like, I'm just, it's not even worth it. I'm just going to go back and go fish. And let me make an application here. In times of doubt. In times of doubt, we have a tendency to want to run. But running from God is a vulnerable and a dangerous place to be because Satan comes as well. And let me say this to you. Satan uses the same tactics today that he did then. And it applies in a couple of different areas. It applies in the life of an unbeliever and it can apply in the life of a believer. In the life of an unbeliever, Satan uses these kinds of tactics. You know what he does? He seeks to first isolate people from the Lord and from true believers. In other words, he wants to get somebody as far away from the influence of truth that they can possibly be. Why does Satan do that? 
Because the gospel is powerful. The truth of God is powerful. And if he can isolate you and remove you from that kind of influence in your life, then he can wreak havoc in your life. During seasons of isolation, he attacks the true faith. He plants seeds of doubt. He causes one to question the doctrines of the faith, or the Bible, or even the reality of God. And you know what 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 13 says? That it's not a marvel that Satan can transform himself into an angel of light. He's got deceivers everywhere who, who talk plausible things, who present ideas that might sound reasonable or, or, or plausible, but they're actually deceiving and they're actually lies to try to remove you from truth. And people begin to question, is God real? I don't believe the Bible. The sad truth is that unfortunately some people don't ever recover from that. Their rejection of truth, their disbelief of God, they continue to wander alone through life listening to the wrong voices and they end up going out into eternity lost without God and without hope. That's what Satan wants to do. Running from God is a dangerous place to be. But you know what? That can happen in the life of a believer too because doubts can arise in believers as well. Doubts about things often intensify as trials of life and persecutions increase. When times of trial come, and I'm confident that they will, There's going to be many people, because they lack a strong relationship with Jesus Christ, who are going to fall away completely. As struggles continue and worsen, there, there, excuse me. <coughs> there's going to be those <coughs> who will begin to question their faith, succumb to doubt and fear. They'll wonder, is it, even, what, is it worth it all? I'm not going to face this persecution. And they're going to be like the disciples who ended up denying Jesus Christ. I just wonder how that's going to go. You know, it's easy to be faithful in church now. It's easy to claim Christianity now. It's easy to sit in the pews of Plaque Grove Baptist Church right now. But our faith is not really tested. Our faith is not tested until we come into the fires of persecution. Then it's going to test whether or not you really believe and trust in God. And how many will fall away? How many because of persecution say, oh, I don't know the man. For fear and self-preservation. Again, our only hope is to abide in Jesus Christ. To have a strong relationship with Jesus Christ. I don't say those kinds of things to create fear, but to cause us to consider what we might face if we endure. <clears throat> if we're going to endure, our only hope is to abide in Jesus Christ, in His Word. 
And Jesus told his disciples that the time is now. You're going to be scattered. Every man to his own, and you're going to leave me alone. It was a difficult time. It was a time of doubt for the disciples. But I want you to note the Lord's confidence here. Look what he says at the end of verse 32. And he says, And yet I am not alone, because the Father is with me. The confidence of the Lord. Jesus reveals His determination here. He's going to still go through uh, with with the, the plan that God had laid out in eternity past to fulfill God's plan for the redemption of mankind. What's He going to face? Soon He's going to face unimaginable pain and suffering. He's going to be abandoned by His disciples. He's going to bear the sin of the world to become sin for us who knew no sin. He's going to hang in agony upon a cross. There's even going to be a season where the Father turns His back on Him and He says, My God, my God, why hast Thou forsaken me? As He bears the judgment of sin upon Himself. But Jesus still knew that the Father would never abandon Him. And it's important for us to understand this truth, friend. It's important for us to remember this truth. You know, here's the reason why. We cannot predict the future. We cannot predict what we're going to face in life. We cannot predict who's going to abandon us along the way. But we can always be assured of the fact that He will never leave us nor forsake us. He says, I'm not alone because the Father is with me. In the Sunday school hour, Hebrews 13, 5 was mentioned. For he hath said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. And Pastor Humphrey mentioned this. He's walking all over it for me. I was going to tell it to you. The sense that it's given in is a sense of never, never. The never and the nor. And what it means is it's not possible for God to abandon you. It's not possible. Why? Because He's bound by His character. He cannot. And what that should do is inspire confidence in the life of a believer. This is why Jesus said here, I'm not alone. I'm so confident because I know the Father is with me. Hebrews 13, 5 says, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. And here's the conclusion of that. What does that inspire? So that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man shall do unto me. This last week I came across this little video clip. I thought it was so good. It was very inspiring to me. And this video clip was of this old lady. She's probably about 80 years old. And the person on the other end of the camera was kind of interviewing her. And you can hear this voice you see the picture of the video of the old lady sitting there, and she's just, uh, probably, like I said, probably eight years old. She's all dressed up nice, just, just a sweet old lady. And you hear this voice on the other side. You can't see the person, but the person asks. And they want, they're interviewing her, and they asked her to tell everybody about this phrase that she always used throughout her life. And her kids were well aware of it because they heard it all the time. And the phrase was this. Go quietly on. And so the interviewer says, can you tell us 
what that meant to you. And why did you always say this throughout your life, go quietly on? And she begins to explain in this video that we live in a world of of trouble. We live in a world of trial. And it's always been that way since, since the beginning of sin entering into the world. And no matter what stage of life somebody's in, it's filled with trouble. And the Bible says, what is man? Uh, does, does he have trouble in his life? And the, and the Job says, do sparks fly upward? Like, yeah. It's a life full of trouble. But that doesn't mean that we have to live a life of anxiety or a life of fear simply because we have a life of trouble. And she says what we have in Jesus Christ is a, is a, is a God who, uh, who, who loves us and cares for us. And she says over and over in my life, all the time in my life, I would be reminded of the fact that He is right here. He's right here and He's got my hand. And so when I would walk through trials of life, this thought would come to me, I can go quietly on. I don't have to live in fear. I don't have to be afraid. I don't have to fret about all the stuff that's going on around me. I can go quietly on. Why? Because my daddy, my father, says, I've got you. I've got your hand. It's okay, honey. I've got it taken care of. And then she pauses for a second in that video And all of a sudden you see her face light up and you see her all of a sudden get very excited and very passionate about what she says next. You can imagine this little 80-year-old lady in this moment and she starts preaching. And she, in that moment, she says, do you know who I'm talking about? She says, I'm talking about God. I'm talking about the creator of the universe. The one who is all powerful. He's got my hand and I can go quietly on. I don't need to fret. I don't need to fear. Because I'm not alone. That was the message she gave in that video. It was really inspiring to me. When she starts talking about the creator of the universe, all-powerful God, who is so big and so mighty and so strong, and, 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 and there's nothing that compares to him. Man, what confidence that should inspire in God's people. That no matter what, no matter what, he promised he would never leave me nor forsake me. Regardless of the difficulties we face, He's the constant companion and guide. We have the presence of the Spirit within. And it might appear that we're alone because all other men might forsake us, but the child of God is truly never, ever alone. He's always there in every situation we face. We read Psalm 34 this morning. That this poor man cried. The psalmist starts out, Magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt His name together. Let's praise the Lord. Why? Why? Because this poor man cried and the Lord heard me. And He delivered me out of all my troubles and all my fears. And He says, those who look on the Lord, their faces are not going to be ashamed. There'll never be a disappointment with the Lord. He'll never disappoint. Because He's God. So Jesus says to his disciples here, you're going to leave me alone. 
but I'm not alone because the Father is with me. What confidence. And that same truth applies to you and me. And then Jesus says in verse 33, he gives a message of victory. For you and I to inspire confidence, he says in verse 33, These things have I spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. Jesus had shared a lot with his disciples in these last hours. They would soon be scattered in fear. They would have their faith severely tested. But Jesus knew they would endure. You remember what Jesus said to Peter in Luke 22? It's right at the same exact time as this. And the Lord said to Simon, 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 behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee, that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen the brethren. The Lord knew. And during these next, not only hours, but these next 40 days, really, of the disciples' lives, they would go through a lot. But their faith would ultimately be strengthened as they were empowered by the Spirit of God, as they began to share the gospel of Jesus Christ, more intense persecution would come. But Jesus has this message of victory that would completely transform their lives. And instead of running in fear, what do you find the disciples in the book of Acts? Instead of running in fear, you find them boldly proclaiming His name. What a difference. Jesus' message was, be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. There's a few things included in this message. First of all, it was a message of comfort. These things have I spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. A message of comfort. Their world would be filled with turmoil. The one that they believed to be the Christ, the one that they hoped would restore Israel, would soon die on a Roman cross. What they would see is that Jesus would be crucified, he'd be put into a grave, but then he would rise from the dead. And following his miraculous resurrection and the empowering of the Holy Spirit of God, they would experience intense persecution for preaching the gospel. And life would be more difficult for them than they even imagined. But in the middle of the turmoil, Jesus says you can still experience peace. In me, you might have peace. And let me say this to you, friend. Jesus never promised that life would be easy. The Christian life isn't easy. Yes, He came that we might have life and that we might have it more abundantly. But that doesn't mean a life of ease. In fact, Jesus affirmed that we would face persecution and difficulty for our faith. There would be seasons of adversity and trial in life. However... He almost also promised peace in the middle of the storm. You know what? We want to run from our trial. We want the Lord to take away the trial so we can feel peace again. But Jesus says, no, in the middle of the storm, in the middle of the trial, not removing of the trial, in the middle of the trial, I offer you peace. He has the ability to give peace and assurance 
in the middle. In John 14, 27, Jesus said to his disciples, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world give unto, I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Isaiah 26, 3, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. Somebody might say, okay, where, where is this peace, Pastor? I don't experience a lot of peace in my life. Well, let me just say this to you. Knowing some Bible truth doesn't actually do you any good until you actually put it to practice. Putting to practice Bible truth is what makes it very real in our life. But when you do put it to practice by faith, you'll find that God never lies. He'll offer you peace. If you're not experiencing peace in your life, it's not because God is at fault. There's something wrong with you. And you need to take it back to the Lord. Because He promised. It was a message of comfort, but it was also a message of confirmation. The second part of that verse, he says, in the world, you're going to have tribulation. Jesus doesn't seek to mislead the disciples. Oh, everything's going to be grand for you. He's honest with them about what they're going to face. He doesn't speak of it as a possibility, but as a certainty. In the world, you're going to have tribulation. And that word tribulation is interesting because it actually reveals to us the intensity of what they would face. The word that is translated as tribulation has the meaning or the sense of crushing pressure. Trouble. A heavy burden. It tells us the intensity of what they were going to face. They were going to walk through things that was, that was crushing pressure in their life. He wanted them to be aware of what was coming. But also to realize that you can overcome and you can endure all of the pressure because of me. In me, you might have peace. It just might be that we've been lulled to sleep in our Western culture. Or we've gone, gotten the wrong way of seeing things. There's a lot of people who've been taught that if you face suffering or adversity in your life, man, suffering and adversity is, is reserved only for people who are disobedient or rebellious. Or we look at somebody like, man, they're going through the ringer. I wonder what God is doing in their life. They must have some deep hidden sins in their life. Well, not necessarily. These people that Jesus is talking to, his disciples, they didn't have deep hidden sin in their life. These were men that Jesus had chosen personally to follow Him. They were devoted to the Lord as much as they possibly could be at the time. They weren't perfect, but they were His disciples. If anyone believed in the Lord, it was these men, and they were told to expect tribulation. And what I'm saying is we must prepare for it as well. In fact, listen, if you are faithfully serving the Lord, 
you've probably already dealt with some form of it in your life. You might be dealing with it now. Trouble or tribulation or pressure or adversity is not a sign that we've been forsaken by the Lord or that we're out of God's will somehow. In fact, it might reveal just the opposite, that we're right in the middle of where God wants us to be. John 15 and verse 19, Jesus said, If you were of the world, the world would love his own. But because you're not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. In Acts 14, 22, the Bible says, confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith and that we must through much tribulation enter into the kingdom of God. That's what the apostles were encouraging the people that they were preaching to with. 1 Thessalonians 3, 4, For verily, when we were with you, we told you before that we should suffer tribulation, even as it has come to pass, and ye know. Jesus was confirming to the disciples that, hey, it's not going to be easy. But here's what I really want you to know. I've already conquered this. I've already overcome the world. And in me, you can have peace. And that's the last message, the message of conquest. He says, so be of good cheer. Don't be fretting. Don't be fearful. Be of good cheer, because I've already overcome the world. The disciples were, I'm sure, a bit overwhelmed at this point. Human nature doesn't like trouble. Human nature doesn't like adversity or persecution. And Jesus knew they would experience those things, and with it probably would be fear and doubt. He knew that they would question their faith and wonder about certain things, but He encouraged them, hey, be of good cheer. There wasn't a need for fear. There wasn't a need for doubt because he had overcome the world. And although it was yet to happen, in the mind of God, it was already done from eternity past. Jesus was going to defeat sin and Satan and death. When he died on the cross for sin, he would rise triumphantly from the grave, giving hope for every man. They would not face anything that Jesus wasn't already victorious over. And so here's the principle. And here's the truth. Trouble and adversity still remains. You and I face it in our life. Doubt and fear, it can possibly creep in from time to time in our life. But that is not the place that we're supposed to live. In other words, what I'm saying is the Lord does not want us walking around in fear and in doubt and in anxiety and trouble all the time. We can have moments of weakness, certainly. We can even question some things at times, have some doubt. But the Lord Jesus says, I've already overcome the world, so be of good cheer. Listen, we all have uncertainties in life, but there is no reason to fear for the child of God. 
I'm thankful to the Lord that victory was secured at Calvary. Amen? It's already been won. My sin has been forgiven. I'm saved by grace. I'm victorious in Jesus Christ. And in times of, in moments of, of weakness or fear or doubt, listen, we need to cling to the promises of the Word of God. Like Romans chapter 8. Go over there with me and I'll finish up with this. Romans chapter 8 and verse 31. What great truth is here for the child of God. What encouraging truth that ought to bring good cheer to our life. In verse 31, what shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded, he's, I'm convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor death, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. What a great attitude. (laughs) Right? What a great attitude. Hey, I know it's coming, but I'm convinced that nothing's going to separate me from the love of God. I can go quietly on knowing whose hand is holding mine. Amen? We're more than conquerors in Christ. This was a time of great uncertainty for the disciples. The next few days would be very difficult for them. There would be great adversity in the years to come. But regardless of the trials that they endured, Jesus says, be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. You're victorious in me. He enabled them. He sustained them by faith through the Spirit of God. And what I'm saying is we have the same assurance in Christ today. He's more than enough for whatever you might face. We don't need to let fear and doubt overcome us or rule our life. He's more than enough for whatever we might face. And if we're struggling, if we're discouraged, what should we do? We should look to the Lord, amen? If we're struggling, we should look to the Lord. Immediately look to the Lord. If you're unsaved here today, you need to look to the Lord. You need to come to Him in repentance and faith so that you can be saved. Because without Him, you are lost and you have no hope. Praise the Lord for who He is. Amen. Amen. Be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray that You'd encourage our hearts today with who You are, what You are, that You're bound by Your character. You never lie. You promised to keep us in perfect peace if our mind 
is fixed and stayed on the Lord. You told your disciples, if you abide in me, you're going to bring forth fruit. Jesus tells his disciples, you don't have to be afraid of what's coming. I've already overcome the world. You can rejoice. You can be full of cheer. Father, we have the truth that we're never alone. And we can go quietly on in this life full of confidence, even in the middle of the chaos in Christ. And I pray, Lord, that you'd use these reminders today for God's people. There might be some who are struggling. And it's this pattern, this pattern that they're going through. Sometimes they're feeling okay, but then they're down and they're just negative thoughts are penetrating their mind and controlling their thinking. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us to quickly, immediately turn to the Lord. Thank you for who you are, for the peace that you give, for the victory we have in Christ. In Jesus' name.